I wasn't ready at all. I, frankly, <laughs> I was, I, 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 it just, it's, it's such a bot, man. Every time we start, I was, I was frantically trying to send a message and I, I didn't get it out. Um, well, so if you want to make the announcement in discord that we're live, uh, Feel free while I do this intro. Free hey, format. if anybody who's watching is in the Discord, go to the Discord and say that we're live. Yeah, someone, someone, please tell them that we're live. Uh, but uh, Vito, they gave us a second episode. They they saw the pilot. They saw the beautiful men that were were speaking about Olympic sports, and they said, "Hey, let's give them a little bit longer. Let's see what they can do." They bought an entire season. They want the whole catalog, and boy, they're probably going to regret it. But who cares? We're going to have a good time. Oh, yeah. That's all that we can do. But welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the USF Roundup. It is myself, at Robert Stieglife. It is at Anthony Vito. We are here to give you some more information about the uh, the week that was in USF athletics. The good, the bad, the really bad, and uh, the really, really good. Hence the uh, little title card here. Vito? What do they do? USF Coach here is back to back to back national champions. And I had a whole spiel. I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to say, this is how good they are. This is what they've done the past three years. But you know what? I don't really know much about anything. So we got an expert on the line. Steve, who do we have? Dad? <laughs> it me? Yes. Hello? It's and it's working at the same time as the cat appearing too. Oh my gosh, who's the expert? Hello, this is live. This is working. Cool. Heath, it is so good to have you on the pod. It is so good to, to see your lovely face again. Very uh, yes, we have not Heath on the line with us to give us all the, the in, ins and outs of cheerleading, competitive cheerleading, and uh, you know, tell us what we don't know because frankly, neither of us know anything about competitive cheerleading. So, uh, Heath, qualify yourself, Nug Daddy. Ooh, well, uh, good evening. Hello, everyone. I'm super glad to be here. Longtime listener, first time caller. Ho, ho. Um, I was a USF shooter, four year collegiate uh, shooter back at USF from 2012 to 2016. Go Bulls. Um, probably one of the big feature points. If you've seen me on Twitter, that's not underscore underscore Heath. Um, general content posting. Ins and outs of USF and other uh, uh, bits there. You might have seen me at some of the football games. If you remember the sign guy from like 2017 to 2020, up up until COVID, I was always in the student section with the signs. That was me. I am generally uh, known for my hat. Um, if this goes on podcast format, you might not see it, but I am decked out here live. Um, so well-known, I like to think in our own little circle here. Um in my time at USF, um, co-ed shooter, and there's a whole long history that I'm really excited to share about the guys bringing on here. So again, thank you guys for having me. Um, and I've realized with all the attention brought to it, there's so many people talking about USF cheer and say, wow, look how good they are. And when you try to explain it to people, you're not as you know knowledgeable or in the ends of cheerleading. So I'm going to hear and give a little bit of background information and hopefully explain it. I'm in no way near an expert or completely up to date. I am not a part of this team. I am not trying to steal glory and stuff from them. I just want to bring some explanation, some awareness to them and give them the attention they deserve. Amazing. Sure. I love it. And a uh, cool thing that I saw earlier when I was perusing the Facebook is that uh, ESPNW, the, the one that highlights all the women's sports and women's involved sports, actually uh, posted about USF's back-to-back-to-back-to-back national championship. 
So I thought that was a great, great big deal, especially because the first comment and the most liked comment on it was, well, I hope they're good at cheering because their football and basketball team sucks. I'll accept that any day. If we're going to be bad at other things, let's at least have something where we're good and get to hang our hats on that for sure. Exactly. Um, so Heath, to kind of give the the, the 30,000 know, overview on it, what what is this that like? How does it work in the sense of like, is it kind of like how we would say like March Madness works for basketball or the college ball playoff where you qualify or you have to go by region or, or how does it kind of, how does it begin? I guess is the best way to say it. Um, so first thing we want to discuss is that there are different teams. And so while we're hyping up co-ed cheer at first, we've mentioned here the shooting program itself under the spirit department deserves a lot of mention here. Let's make sure to give love where it's due. Both teams, we support a co-ed team, which has a guy and partners and whatnot, the smaller flyer girls, and then the all-girl team, which is the typical shooters. You've got three girls in a stunt group holding up one normal shooting without men. We have an all-girl and a co-ed team. Both secured in a division they competed in a national championship title first place in the country that participated at UCA National. So both did phenomenal this year. That's just incredible. <laughs> Amazing. Piping up co-ed, let's make sure to give respect on both sides. So um, Rob, you meant or you asked there, um, how does it all start? Competitive cheerleading is we all understand, you know, uh what's what's the term? That subjective kind of view. It isn't, you know, head to head. Like that, it is you kind of register and get into a competition season. So any cheerleading team has to first get a competitive team. And that could be very different than your actual cheer squad. On any given Saturday, the men and women you see on the field cheering may or may not be the actual team that competes. Depending on the size of which division you go into, um, you may be allowed them. Um, for co-ed, for instance, the one our group went into, that larger classic co-ed group, is usually a team of 20, and you're only allowed to have a certain number of men-to-women ratio. Most elect to have 11 men on the, the field or mats at a time with nine girls, so that way you have more people to throw in one, not bigger bodies, and then to build pyramids with the girls. Um, but those sides go up to 20. There are smaller divisions with less, and they have scaling amounts. Um, so you'll have um, reserves and whatnot, and when you have tryouts, you have people that are interested in competing and whatnot. But if you're going to compete, you also are a tutor representing. So one really interesting about the sport, I think, is that it's not just like they all need to be athletes and ready to compete if that's their interest, but they've also got to be this hobby charismatic figure that is responsible for taking care of so much of the university. That is at the University of South Florida, you've got to handle home basketball and volleyball games men and women's basketball, um, and then all football games. And then if you are lucky, we say it's, it's an honor, and I loved it, um, you get to travel to the big football games and some local basketball games. Um, and then if there's postseason for other teams, you get to go along. They'll have small travel squads for those. Um, I think I got off topic from your question there about how it all started. <laughs> no, no, it's perfect. No, because they, they don't even – I mean, to extend it past – you know, the athletic side of things or the athletics side of things. They also are kind of the PR face of your university as well. You know, the, the indoor performance facility, when it opened up, the cheerleaders were there. I can almost guarantee I didn't watch it, but I guarantee Raya Law's inauguration today. Cheerleaders oh, yeah. were there. Yeah. Th these are your, these are not only competing athletes, but they're also the face. They're also the front. They're also kind of your, the big old height team. Yeah, essentially, as stupid as it sounds, but that's basically what they are, and it's 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 fascinating how that I because I, I didn't know that I I just kind of figured you try out for you know 
football cheerleading or, or you know, you, you want basketball or volleyball or something like that. It's kind of delegated to you and decided yep. just kind of like on a schedule basis. If we go back even more, um, tryouts for the team generally end up being in the late spring leading up to it. And you are cheerleader that whole year, unless you're going to graduate and stuff, they're expecting you're signing on for everything. You can't just come and say, nah, I just want to compete. I don't want to do all the game day rah, rah and stuff. That's not how it flies. Um, especially when you're building up a program, um, we've had to make, those calls that some people might think they're more athletic and need special privileges. No, we need a full well-rounded shooter. Um, and that starts in the back, I think to at least at USF um, part of the prep process. If you think of, you know, for football, there's, you know, spring training and they go into summer practice and um, you'll have scrimmages and whatnot. It's there's similar concepts in cheer. You'll have your tryouts leading up to, um, spring. I remember my freshman year leading up to freshman year. So I was a senior in high school. Um, this is now spring 2012. So it was in May, the tryouts and there would be clinics leading up to it. I need to make sure I plug this. I'll probably put it in the discord. They are beginning their late winter, early spring, um, shooting clinics, and they're looking for more high school bodies and interested college people. Um, but they're to practice, meet the team, work with them. Um, and they, have a few of those camps so you can make the team and start learning what requirements there are, what you'll need to show at the tribes, which is essentially an interview process. Um, but for all of them, it's it's very difficult to um, build up. It's it's not like football where you can go recruit and whatnot. You need to earn the spot on the team. Now, they have gotten to the point now, and I'm a little unaware of this process more recently because they've gotten so good. They can go out and ask people and say, hey, can you get to tryouts or can we save you a spot if you show up? Because if they see and identify an athlete at a good local gym or at a high school, that could happen. So you'll see tutors have their their signing day posts and stuff. But usually they still had to try out because especially now, if we've got 50 girls who are all that perfect size only so many are going to make the cut because, and you have to keep trying out every year too. That's another thing. That's another thing. Ooh, that's, that's tough. So you yes, earned your just spot to kind of time. go off of that. Yes, I, yes. I do have a bit of a question. Has these, the recent success at nationals brought more awareness to the program to the point where people are coming? Is there a bit of a, a recruitment in that, in that sense? Oh yes. What a good question. That's where I'm going to go off on my tangent here back in the Heath days. So when I tried out, we went two years without a cheerleading team. USF co-ed did not exist in the early 2010 period. There was a cheerleading team. It was just an all-girl team. But 2012, they tried to bring it back. They got an extra coach to handle the group. Um, and about five men showed up to tryouts between some college buddies. And I was the only freshman. The only freshman. Wow. <laughs> Impressive. I, I had come down to I um, applying to schools. The only ones I could feasibly do cheerleading at was um, FAU or here at USF because it was so new. And I saw that they were looking for men. And that came down to my decision to end up at USF. Um, so of those five on co-ed, it was essentially a JV team. Because it just started up, they did not compete then. We didn't start competing again until 2017. So all this buildup and stuff... And you sit and think of how long the program has been alive. They used to compete back in the day, but we essentially built from scratch. And in six years, that's it. We've now got three titles. That Ridiculous. is a, a very huge rise. So uh, yeah. just to kind of kind of go off of that is uh, so I come from a bit of a theater background. So I, I 
theater guy, designer, design dance. So I understand choreography to an extent. Cheer, uh, when, when, what I'm seeing is it's raw, it's routines. There's a lot of athleticism. There is some choreography involved. Is some of this ha- have to do with the the, the coaches? Uh, like how many coaches are there? Has it been consistent throughout? Is it, do we have just really, really good? It's changed uh, up a little bit. Sorry, not to cut you off. Sorry. Oh, no, go for um, it. I, I, that, right now, the, the coach is in place. Um, Jillian, the head co-ed coach right now, has been there for several years. Um, I unfortunately did not get to work with her, but I believe she was part of that 2017, 2018 when they first started competing. Um, the all-girl coach has been there since my second year, um, uh, Sandy Clark, and she has been great. A bedrock for them for a lot of consistency. Um, with athletics, they're very – because – of expectations they don't have the strict oh you didn't win you know the the division or all this every year so they're not trying to fire people as much as long as people are able to do the job they generally keep it in shooting unless there is that strict expectation if that's starting to show up now with co-ed and maybe they'll start doing it um but the pay isn't that great so it's not competitive like baseball and basketball where people are going to get fired or something um but they've been very lucky it has been the same coach there um and there's a lot of like support roles where they might have little assistance coaches um but there's a lot of volunteers a big common thing you'll see is that shooters will come back in either support role or volunteer and help out at practices and be a part of the process so i recognize a bunch every year there's another couple of guys or girls that help out one of the assistant coaches this year noah webb um i cheered with when he was a freshman and i was a senior um and he won in his final year um a a national ring so i recognize some of them they build in there but in place at the top are people who all have experience as tutors. Um, Sandy was a USF tutor, the all-girl coach, and she's the, I believe, the overall head coach of the cheer program. And then Jillian, they're in co-ed, her and her husband. Um, see, what else you say? You had uh, mentioned the uh, choreography and whatnot. Yeah, just how, how like, uh, how that starts if there's other, if it's all kind of the same group of like, I'm just more fascinated in how year to year the routines change and completely different still. every year, completely different every yeah. year. So when you have your tryouts and whatnot, you've got your team and you start thinking and shaping up because that's in your spring and summer and competition season isn't until winter. Um, we just had nationals here and that's what uh, January, right? Yeah. Um, Kelly mentioned the chat. Hello, Kelly. Yeah. Um, yes. Sandy, I had the, the privilege and honor and Kelly also, has been around in the program since the time when I was a shooter. Um, and so many of them, USF, I think, is gifted and lucky to have so many coaches that were invested in the program and really want to see it succeed because they were in our shoes. Um, I always really enjoyed that. Well, welcome to the pod, Kelly. That's awesome. And of course, congratulations. Yes, I was about to say, Kelly, big congratulations to you and your staff. Uh, hell of an accomplishment to have both both squads like that win a national championship. I'm a uh, I'm sure that the tears were flowing and the, the pride was overwhelming there. Oh, those so, are my uh, favorite things. Seeing the videos of when it, there's like a routine hit and everyone just explodes and cheers and those reactions afterwards, because in the same way that, you know, any team builds up and practices all year there, you're putting aside as a tutor, your valuable study time, because these are student athletes. Um, you're putting aside your own family thing because your practices for winter season, obviously are running into Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's and stuff. And you have to put aside a lot of that. Also, you have to still cheer on the basketball games that are going on during that too. And it's just so much they put into it. And I remember I went to the uh, show off and they were fighting some, some illnesses and injuries, people putting their bodies on the line for this. And then for that all to pay off, it's, it's so cool to see that investment pay dividends. Right. Um, so 
Okay, back to to choreography and stuff. Every year is going to be different. Yeah, you might have some similar stunts and whatnot, but there's a whole process which I know nothing about because I'm musically illiterate. Um, but our teams are very lucky. I don't know is full enrollment. Um, but um, Sandy, the um, coach's husband, Leighton Clark. We've got a little in here because this guy is a huge big deal in shooting. If you grew up and did in like Central Florida, most of Florida, and you worked with um, competitive shooting, you probably know Leighton Clark. He did my high school routine when I was a competitive shooter in high school. He has been around so much. He helps create music and knows how to stunt. He worked college um, high school camps for it. So he's just a big figurehead in shooting already and we have an in for him because he's our coach's husband and he's with the program too um so he did all the practices and whatnot it's a it's a very cool thing i love it i love it when that happens like that (laughs) it's like hey you get royalty (laughs) just because uh yep that's that shouldn't be against the rules but it should (laughs) there's so many things that they could like regulate and whatnot but that goes back to if we want to talk about the governing body for competitive shooting here is this big company varsity who runs a few different brands of UCA, the United Cheer Association, something, and then there's NCA, National Cheer Association, but they're all under this varsity brand, and they're like Disney. And so they're in control of saying, this is how you compete. This is how you're allowed to show your brand and whatnot. And so that's why, if you notice, it's so hard to watch cheer and stuff. If you want to get like the subscription package, it's all for their special varsity thing and hookup. It's not televised and whatnot. It's all owned by this Disney. I'm not trying to be on here and saying, oh, it's it's a it's the lizard people in charge. It quite literally is run and monopolized by this. Right. Now, because NCAA doesn't, you know, take into account, you know, all that and they kind of let varsity handle it, that's why there's no like big buildup into like the pageantry of your your sweet 16 or whatever your college basketball or your national championship football and whatnot. It's all handled generally by that that varsity brand. Nice. That is fascinating. Uh, I'm going to toss it. We have a, a another uh, question here from uh, our own Seth Varnador. How is working games viewed versus competition by members of the squad? Similar excitement or are the competitions the pinnacle? It'll range for each person because you'd assume there are going to people who come in and they're all about the pageantry of sports and game day. I love football. So as a tutor myself, oh, no. I enjoyed everything. Now. <laughs> I don't want to be rude or anything. All the students at student athletes are deserving of mention here and their efforts they put in to represent our school. I'm proud of all of them. But back in the day when I was a tutor, I hated going to volleyball games. It's rough. I didn't understand volleyball and we weren't, we may not have been as successful. So some of your tutors say, man, I got to do this. And like, that's too much, but they also get broken down a bit. So you don't have to do every single game Uh, for volleyball. I remember we kind of cut the co-ed team in half. So there was a squad and B squad, which weren't like the good one and the bad one. It was just, we cut them in half. So that way I didn't have to go to every single one. We can't fit every single shooter out there and we don't necessarily need them all to do a a volleyball game attendance. Right. Um, So in general, depending on your shooter, some of them are really into football games or the basketball games and whatnot. But I will say right now, if you came to shooting because you want to compete, you many of them look at the games as a thing they have to do so they can do what they really love. And that's compete and build up for that season, for sure. There's some right. who like both. And I never got to compete, so I didn't have the option. I just love that. I'm sure I would have enjoyed it. Um, but there's definitely some who prefer either one, uh, one way or the other. Oh, look at that, Matt. 
Oh, is that the, the kind words to Heath? Wow. The kind words to Heath. Um, go, going back to the competition side of things for a second, and and I'm going to play the absolute you know, fool of the group because I never had to do with like the dance or anything like that. How how is the scoring done? Because I I know you mentioned deductions and and you know multiple routines and you know, different days of of competing and everything. And Pippa is yipping her here, little heart yeah, out because she knows we're talking about the good sport here. We're getting into it. Um, we're getting into it. But the the scoring and how that's kind of determined. I, I mean, obviously not the whole like nitty gritty detail of everything <laughs> of you know oh I landed on my left foot instead of my right foot kind of thing. <laughs> So you do have to get a panel of judges. And so in this context, they'll have ex or people high up in the varsity brand with that UCA or NCA brand, and they are reviewing every single um, performance. And they have a score sheet generally. And because part of the process before you go to um, when you have to sign up basically for your division and whatnot, you have to, and it's changed a few times. So I'm not as aware currently what it is. Um, if you get some of the more recent shooters on, they could be able to explain a little bit better. Um, but um, you have to kind of show your routine and state what's going to be in it. And they then know based off the potential difficulty of your team, what a maximum score could look like. I believe it's usually like close to like a hundred would be the maximum, but no team can get a hundred. That's, that's almost impossible. So you're looking for like mid nineties or something that's going to be a really good score. If you're getting them in there, I think I saw on there, like the semifinals, we had like a 90.7 and that went up to like a 92 or 93 for the actual final result. Um, And so that's going to be based on many things. You also have to have a conversation about what kind of routine are you doing? Because as I mentioned earlier, we had all girl and co-ed. And um, if Kelly is still in the chat, she might have a better answer for it. But when we had our two uh, wins here, our all girl team won what they signed up for. That's the game day routine. And the game day routine still uses similar cheer skills, but what you are showing, performing the, um, the live incorporations you have, you might be able to actually add in a mascot. I know when I saw the co-ed do it, Rocky was in there. Um, you bring in a lot more flags, you have more vocal parts, and you actually have a part where the judges will say, and there's a stop on the field, there's um, a timeout or something, and you have to react with a pre-planned portion, and it could be something different. Um, so it's a live simulation of game day so that's what all girl one with co-ed had their traditional cheer routine there's a i believe it's just the cheer routine or traditional routine and that's your typical there's going to be one part where you build a big pyramid there's others where you have your multiple stunts and show off a bunch of cool things in your um your uh, basket tosses and whatnot and then there'll be a loud part in the middle where you do a let's go bulls or something in there they can mix the order a little bit. It's usually a kind of a, a general template for how you want to do them, but how each team is going to defer themselves is the level of difficulty of your stunts in them, how clean you are, making sure that you're hitting at certain times. Everyone's hitting at the same time. So you want to see consistency and equal levels between everyone and as well being able to be heard and actually lead the crowd. There are points on the judges score sheet for how loud you are, how clear and concise all the team of 20 people out there are yelling. So you can't just mumble or something or not look excited. Um, and then how, you know, there's an overall appearance score. I don't know if they've done away with this yet, but it's always a thing of there is a general appearance score. And if you came out, no one does obviously, but if you came out looking a hot mess, you could get deducted off it. There are things in cheer that just doesn't, don't make sense. You know, you don't get a, a handicap or lose a score because your team didn't, you know, wear a certain color Jersey or something. Um, but she has a lot of things 
in it that are kind of just built on the history of cheerleading and what the intent right. of original cheerleading is rather than just the competing aspect, which is why you get the whole people of saying, oh, it's not a real sport and stuff. Right. And and funny enough, the easiest way that I associated with that was like the <laughs> at the Olympics, like the diving routines, um, like high dives yes. and everything like that, because they know what the because, you know, you get out there and you say, OK, I'm going to perform a, a double backflip pike. And the judges know, OK, I know what a double backflip pike will look like. Yes. I'm going to judge you on how tight your rotation is and everything like that. So that makes now that makes so much more sense, because for part of me, for whatever reason, was just thinking, oh, whichever one's the most like extravagant or most exciting or anything like that. I knew that there was obviously difficulties and, and you know different factors involved in that. But uh, no, I, I had no idea that they get like a kind of like a preview of what you're going to perform so that they can kind of say, oh, you did mess up that basket toss or, oh, you did mess up that or this. Um, Kelly made a, a good point there. Um, the uh, what is I, I completely lost. But yes. Um, so both teams competed in the game day and traditional routines. Um, OK, that makes more sense because I kept on seeing the game days and traditionals and everything like that and at that point game I was day like, was okay, the first I one that happened it was i think friday night i think and so we saw all the mm-hmm. results and then i remember when people were like oh we made it to finals co-ed made it to finals there i saw some confusion of people saying i thought we got third how did we get to another thing and so there's different divisions there i okay. was one of those people and that's when it we, we were talking about it in the in the discord and i and i, I went to 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 Stieg separately i was like we need to ask keith if he wants to come on i know this is his <laughs> world because i am confused and i we, everybody wants to be hyped up to support and this is what i love about usf fans we want to hype up and support anything whether it's the you know, i'm gonna cling to sport, something i can hockey. be happy about please exactly. give me something so gold like, yeah you see the word national champions next to usf and and everybody wants to be a program that we can but leech onto that i felt dumb like okay i don't know anything about this let's try to figure this out and let's sort through it so <laughs> this has been really helpful for me because i was definitely one of those confused people like Oh, I thought we were third. Oh, this is first. Oh, I see the difference now. And now there's two different types of routines. This is great. And the fact that Rocky was in it is Rocky part of the cheerleading uh, p- part of cheer squad in the suit or is Rocky just a random Rocky that they bring in? From so Rocky? it's weird. He is technically part of the spirit department, but I believe his funds and stuff is housed under alumni association. And that's how they can get like certain differences and get the suit a bit more. But he did at least back in my day. I, I don't know. Currently Rocky went to camp with us at cheerleaders and there would be all the mascots. It was always super fun camp for the Southeast region. Is it Alabama? We oh. practice in their indoor practice facility my freshman through senior year i was on the same field that people like trent richardson um uh, blake mcelroy or something all, all these alabama roll tide stars were tearing their acls at <laughs> it, it's it's nuts and you're using all their facilities their basketball gym their indoor and outdoor football things when you fit in it was like 50 camps from all across the southeast we just need to get kelly on right now she's giving He's a great stuff. that's what i'm saying you guys got to get a, a more recent oh coach to have more things on there that'd be really kelly. cool we're going to coordinate. We'll get you on here so that you can uh, give us more of this, of uh, this love and tell us more about this because it, it is absolutely fascinating. And honestly, back to my experience with this, I used to wash Rocky's uh, clothes uh, when I worked in the equipment room and I was always just so incredibly confused. Yeah, it's gross. It, the sweaty, like I had to wash 120 plus staff. So 145 pairs of clothes, nothing clinged onto more sweat than Rocky's suit. <laughs> that thing. It's baked that in. Thing, it's baked in. 
Hey, oh we earned God, we earned that na- that national championship mascot <laughs> title. That was 2014, 2015 or something yep. right there. Remember that? Hang um, the and, banner. Uh, and a fun thing I remember back in the day, we couldn't say like this person affiliated with Rocky. It was like Rocky's friend. Rocky's friend travels with the oh, Tudors, so the and it was a group of the yeah, yeah. So there were I think they were rotating like four to six of them. Of, of Rocky's friends that would join us and they changed off in the hot games. It might be every quarter, but usually at halftime, um, Rocky's friends would, would swap places and stuff um, for, for football games. <laughs> to give a quick tangent here. Um, I did appreciate um, thick Rocky this past year. Uh, he was the star of the show good. at times. For, for, <laughs> and that was USF. fun because you'd see certain moves and know, Oh, I know it's Ro- I know which Rocky it is. I know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but all that is brought up. That was just in the game day routine. So the traditional cheer routine doesn't have Rocky and as much of the fanfare. And it adds in like almost a sports element to it in that game day. But then tr- the traditional cheer is the hardcore cheer, stunt, pyramid, yell, yell, and whatnot. Um, the like classic, the, if you saw a movie, a cheer routine, yeah. that's usually what it would look like. So bring it on. Yes, but then there's tons of things in Bring It On that you see a real cheater looks at and be like, what on earth are they doing? My favorite <laughs> cheer movie here, for anyone keeping trivia here for our things, um, Fired Up is hilarious. A terrible example of what high school cheering is. They went to camp for like a month outdoors in the summer. That was terrible. And they freely allowed the men and women to co-mingle in like same rooms and stuff. No, funny movie, awesome, great. And if you haven't seen it, it is uh, in no way near what a lot of cheerleading is, and they're doing very ridiculous things, um, but still entertaining. Still it's like, what is this band camp? <laughs> oh, that's not even. Are uh, we have like two a days, maybe even three a days, leading up through a week long of practice, and then you go to camp. You take a twelve hour bus ride to camp in Alabama, which is usually um, three or four days there. You're exhausted, you're tired, oh, and then you drive back in the bus. Lord love that That's god intense. i god i miss competing in sports sometimes and then i realize oh yeah that was my entire summer was riding on buses to hot sweaty places and no air conditioning I but the invigorating feeling when you march victorious. Hey, and that's part of a game day routine. Gives something like march victorious or the all uh, not all monitor the uh the fight song or something is usually incorporated into that um routine um, so one more thought I had here, and, and Kelly mentioned it there with all girl competed in both as well. You, um, co-ed competed in both, but you put all this effort into months of practice leading up to it, especially in that November, December crunch time. And it all comes down to that final performance. You guys asked, like, what is the process? Well, you have to put together routine and be able to film it and let them know, Hey, this is what we're going to be bringing. Here is our credentials and that. Um, and in like high school cheer or competition, you might have to place a certain amount of times at your regionals and whatnot. But with college, you just need to qualify enough to get there by showing that you can before the team. So you might have like local show offs where you show it to your at a basketball game or something, but you're just going and you're building up for the season is pretty much one big event and you can sign up for a few others, but that's what USF is doing to my knowledge. And it comes down to what you do that day. You don't get 12 games to say, Oh, we'll get them next time. You know, the we'll, we'll have second half adjustments. You got a two and a half minute routine. And you hope that every single person on that floor is selling out and doing their best and hoping that the wind doesn't take one person a little bit too off or that they're all in their right headspace because if something messes up, God bless them. You, you, the seat that's, that's the season on the line. Um, Mm -hmm. so sometimes it doesn't always add up. You've got a very talented team, but one thing goes wrong. Um, and it doesn't equip, there's no, uh, there's no positive results. And so to have now three years running, 
that routine build up and hit enough. And sometimes there's luck of the draw that other teams, they might be better. What they showed and, and promised, hey, here's our routine is more difficult. Um, I saw in the semifinals, our routine was all things like equal level playing field. I saw Western Kentucky was killing it. Kentucky, UCF is other big names. Bama is always a big one. Some of their routines might have been better than ours, but they didn't hit as clean or they didn't all go up. Something went off timing. And so ours, if it's more clean, you edge out because of those extra determining factors. So you're not going to be rewarded for doing everything easy unless the more difficult teams bomb it or have enough falls. So there is reward for risk it for the biscuit. But also, if you're going to say, if you're going to gamble, you got to show up what you're trying to promise that you can do. That's the beauty of live performance, live Damn. competition. You, you, it's, it's the one shot and you can't, you know, let that make or break you, but that, that could hit you on the scorecard, but you yeah. have to, and it's consistency, man, that, that is huge. And that's a, it's a tribute to the coaching staff, um, all the, all the student athletes. Um, and yeah, we definitely want to talk about this more. We're we have a, we have a, we have a couple plans going on in the future here. Thanks to Heath. Um, but I, I think this is a really, really good conversation. And just like, again, congratulations to everyone involved because winning three straight national championships or, you know, and then, you know, even getting top three finishes just is not. Oh, yeah, easy for sure. Do. There, there are dozens incredible. of teams that want to go here and it's hosting the region. It's not every single school that goes. We're not seeing like Stanford and Oregon. They might have another competition out there or something. But this is one of the big nationals for UCA. And we have tons of teams that gets there. You have to first make finals, and I believe there were like 11 or 12 teams that made finals for the co-ed teams, and so that's kicking out you know, many teams from there. I think it was maybe a field of like 20 or 30 that got in, um, somewhere in that range, and then so just to make finals is a big honor, and I remember when it was like their second year competing, and they made it and got like 10th place. I thought that was a big deal, and then <laughs> two or three years later, literally national championship, which I could have never... It, Something about now fast rising university or something like yep. that. I was going to say it's the, it's the rocket <laughs> meme or, or stonks, if you will. And shout out all girl is very consistent and usually is <laughs> making the finals. I remember every one of my years, they were always something that co-ed looked at and said, man, they're competing and they're representing for all of cheer. They always were on that cusp. They would, I remember a few like third or fourth place finishes and stuff, but um, I know Alabama is always good. Indiana is a top notch um, all girl cheer team school. Um, and there's just so much conversation you have about the school's allocation of resources in the same way that like a school could be a great baseball or basketball school you might be really good at all girl and not have a co-ed team or only have a co-ed team ucf is a powerhouse and for a while they were half my inspiration in high school um of like i there was a there's a hype video i can go up and see it's like 15 years old from when they had a national championship run for like they were two or two out of three years they won a championship not no they're no three pete but they were one of those early ones kentucky's a big one um but there's names in shooting that a lot of people recognize. Why, why did I bring this up? What was I saying here? I got off on a tangent and then lost my whole train of thought. That's, it, it's, uh, some people can, can rise to the top, but they can't stay there. Maybe. That, I don't and know. Um, the brand of it. So like UCF doesn't have an all-girl team. Some schools do or don't have multiple teams and compete in multiple things. Um, that game day routine, like Alabama wasn't in there. Cincinnati was one of our big competition in that one. And like uh, Toledo and stuff, other teams. But schools are going to look at it and say, we only care about um, the cheer traditional routine. We're only going to compete there. We're only going to allow an all-girl. So for our school to give the respect to allowing a 
you know, all-girl team and a co-ed that are top-notch is some good dedication. But I think that brings me into, if we're, if I'm trying to be mindful of y'all's time here, some of my conversation points I had when I was talking to uh, one of my friends that I cheered with, Savannah, uh, now an assistant coach with the co-ed team. Um, and she mentioned something that we may or may not be aware of. Um, while they do get support by athletic and we are, we were and still are treated as athletes, we get all, I got to work out in the football facility and stuff as a, a student athlete. I can get the meals and whatnot. I didn't get a scholarship and whatnot, but I was treated as a student athlete. I get the um, first privileges for signing up for classes in the special dormitories if I needed to access. But we're not getting football funding. They're not getting basketball funding. They're not getting all these first class things. Excuse me. And that comes down to then shooting has to pay for a lot of things on their own. Back, back in my day, we had to sell calendars, y'all. At football games, shooters ran around with calendars and posters and asked for donations or to buy these things. And this is building up the program. They still might do it a little bit, but it's a lot of things that's self-funded. If you think back to like, you know, your fundraisers, walkathons in high school, we're still asking college folks to do that. And it's rough. And that's because of how athletics has to do it. So it's not any issue with saying USF needs to do a lot more. They could. I wish they could. But it's just an issue with shooting in general. They can't get the same athletics funding. Um, so there is a separate fund for it. I'm going to make sure I plug it in the Discord and try to put it out on Twitter and stuff. But they have to pay for things like all their camps and practices and when I'm putting that together, their competition when they travel for a lot of that. And now they got to pay for rings, which are expensive, y'all. Those don't come get uh, provided for it. They might get like some for the coaches or something, but those student athletes wow. have to get it. I remember it was one of my favorite things. I got to donate money to that the first time they won that. Um, and we put out the call and um, um, they deserve so much. And if you are a USF fan and you are proud of athletes that show up and give us results, these are some of the young men and women that deserve any of your kind of kickback. If you give to the general athletic fund, it doesn't go to that. There is a spirit fund specifically on that portal on there. And I'll make sure I share that too, but especially for those rings, you know, um, we'd like to not ask the kids to do that. So we can help do our right. part as USF alumni and fans um, and give them that. No, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely put that. We'll plug it because I think that's, I don't think a lot of people knew that and uh, understood that uh, they're paying for their own rings because that, this group has done a lot of the past. I mean, and now we got to pay for all girls do. rings too. Oh my Dang. goodness. Damn. The, the, curse so much, the curse of winning. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> daily st stampede, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get the community behind it and try to get some funding because Excellent. I think that's a really huge, huge. Um, and I'm glad you, I'm glad you pointed that out because I think any, anytime that we can help or anytime uh, the community can help, it's, it's definitely a good thing. I'm going to leave Absolutely. this with one last, uh, thank you, Kelly, again, for contributing as much as you have today, but <laughs> Yes, Keith is an amazing ambassador for USF and for this program. And we're so excited that you came on here today. Oh, hell yeah. Thank you, Kelly. Kelly. It means a lot to to see that too. Hell yeah. I love this. No, this is this is the positivity that we were hoping that we'd get out of the uh it's good when the roundup good every year or every week. Um, but yeah, no, Heath, uh, thank you for hopping on and talking with us about this and educating us on a, a, a sport that Frankly, not a lot of people probably uh, know too much about, and uh, but obviously are very aware of. So it's a uh, it's nice to get the insider's perspective. And uh, Kelly, again, thank you to your staff uh, and for yourself as well for giving us some guidance here as well. We'll definitely uh, be in contact to get you on here at some point to uh, chat even more about the process of this and and how much work goes into it because 
I mean, hell, you guys work harder than Southern student athletes at times and back to back to back national champions and, you know, a, a separate national championship as well is, is to be celebrated as much as we possibly can. So uh, very exciting. And Pippa's on. This yeah. is the best show ever. Giving y'all a good send off <laughs> here. Pippa's here. Another icon. Wow. This is just one handsome podcast with Pippa being the star. Pippa, give right. us a yip. Pippa, kill. <laughs> good enough. <laughs> now Screen shy. Right. Well, Heath, thank you again so much. Don't forget to follow at not underscore underscore Heath, and uh, we'll get all that information out there shortly. And uh, again, thank you so much. And with that, we will move on to other things. Say bye, everybody. Bye, bye everybody. Heath. But we stay here because we march on. We march onward into the not so good part of our evening. Um, well, not as fun. Uh, still some wins to be celebrated. Still some victories to be to be had. Um, but where we'll start with the hot and cold situation. I think that's the most fair. Um, we'll start with men's basketball and, and their week that they had. So we'll, we'll start in the good place. Uh, they won a conference game. This is for, this is the first conference victory by the USF men's basketball team or the USF football team in uh, almost a year. So uh, big deal for USF. They beat ECU 81 to 70 on the road in Greenville. And they looked pretty competent uh, across the board, you know, offensively, um, you know, there, there were a few dimwitted positions or possessions, but that kind of happens. Uh, Anyways, and then defensively, they they played a pretty tight game at, at times, and you know kept this at arm's length most of the second half. It, it really only got close towards the end once uh, ECU started just chucking threes to try to make things a little bit closer. Um, Tyler Harris it was just an absolute gem of a pickup from for Coach Brian Gregory's staff. Uh, Twenty four points for him. He went five from eight or five for eight from three, uh, having a good three point shooter on a, on a men's basketball team is a, just a novel idea. It's amazing when he's hitting daggers from the logo too. You know, you said he was five for eight. The rest of the, the rest of the um, roster had six three pointers. I mean, they were 11 from 23 and that's considering what they were doing last year. This is a, a solid three point shooting team when they're on. And Tyler Harris is just, he, I, he might be one of the best shooters that, that we've seen at USF since it's been a while. It's been he's before my time. <laughs> and he's, he's, he's been very good in really high leverage situations too. Right. So it was really good that they got that win at ECU. I mean, they outscored them. Uh, what was it? 47 to 39 uh, in the second after taking the lead, a uh, three point lead in halftime. So 81 to 70, it's just a very solid win that they needed because there was just a lot of, especially after the Houston game, just a lot of close calls. So right. them being able to close out a game was just something that they needed. Right. And uh, not to be outdone, Russ Jaywall uh, also had 20 points, seven rebounds, just a force on the inside. Keyshawn Bryant, another highlight reel dunk. Um, he's he's absolutely ridiculous. He he is so to, to Tyler Harris's three point land. Keyshawn Bryant just absolutely dunking the face off of people is equally as fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um it's just incredible. And then a stat that I, I had to triple check this like three times because I, I, I feel like it was a very underrated thing. Uh, Sam Hines has been like sneakily one of like USF's best interior rebounders. 
Uh, he led the team with 11 rebounds. And for some odd reason, I always pictured Sam Hines to be like six foot one, but he's like six foot six. He's like kind of the uh, Alexis Yetna kind of size and always plays uh, very physical in the middle. Um, but he's been incredible just, you know, collecting rebounds as, as often as he has. I think he's leading the team in rebounds as well for the season. So he's he's a pleasant surprise. But well, before we just do that, they had thir- 32 points in the paint to ECU's 22. They just did uh, a monstrous job shooting three pointers and also getting points uh, in the paint, which is just uh, when their game is on, this is what they can do. And yeah, ECU is one of the, uh, they're the, what they're 10, nine, one and five and or 10 and nine and one and five in the AEC, but still doing that kind of dominant performance. I got to give it up to them for finally closing out a game. But right. as, as, as Steve said, but they played last night as well. Uh, and let me tell you, it was a game that was played between two division one schools. Um, but to, uh, to the credit of uh, the school they were playing, um, Cincinnati basically wiped the floor with USF. They won 85 to 69. Nice. Nice. Uh, but it, it was one of those weird games where you just, frankly, the other team was just on it. And, and there wasn't much else that USF could do. It, it, and, and to Heath's credit here, the student section turned up, turned out, showed up. They were great. It, they, um, cool thing is that, you know, showing USF's really, you know, caring about things is they invested in uh, bringing in a consultant to help with building up a student section. I thought that that was novel. I never even thought that that was a thing. I thought, you know, hey, just, you know, spray and pray, hope that kids come to games. But no, they actually consulted someone, um, a a self-proclaimed student section expert uh, to actually, you know, encourage students to come. And it's called the SoFlow Rodeo. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter. It is a it is a student led initiative. Um, of course, the consultant came in to help with these things, but you know th- this is a full student led thing. This is a hundred percent by them through them through student gov as well to help fundraise some of the shirts and things that are going there. But it, it's nice that USF is starting to invest back into the fans as well while they're investing into their athletics. It, it was really nice to see. I mean, the shirts look great. The, the, they, they were popping big game. Boomer even gave USF a shout out for best student section in the state, which was pretty huge. That was for basketball. I know a lot worst. of people were confused by that, <laughs> but the, uh, it was really neat to see they, they, they win it. They win a game versus ECU and then they can come back to a full student section. Student section during football was still full. This is all little things that like kind of get brushed to the side, but are huge. If the student body can get involved with the right people, um, then we can uh, push something to, to one, one, once those programs are humming, what's going to happen at that point? Right. Um, the attendance is going to skyrocket. Exactly. Is what's going to happen. There, there, there's um, a lot of good things that can happen, um, both in, in the student section and in the community. Once the students get going, the community wants to go in. So I, I, I give them uh, a full shout out there. Um, unfortunately, USF just had to pl- play a really, really good team in Cincinnati that uh, was successful with three pointers. They out, uh, they um, out scored them in points in the paint, 38 to 32. And it was just one of those games. They, we're up 47 to 29 at halftime and and USF outscored them in the second half, 40 to 38. That's generally where they've been hurting. It still just wasn't enough in an 85 to 69 loss. So right. students don't let that be a deterrent to stop coming up to men's basketball games. Also come to women's basketball games because there's yes. a couple good games on deck 
as the Warren I four kicks off. And I think the SoFlo rodeo will help be help be a contributor to making the home team win those games. Right. And, and like we mentioned, I mean, it, it came to a point where Cincinnati, I mean, Landers Noli and David DeJulius uh, scored 42 points by themselves. And David DeJulius could not miss from beyond three. And Landers Noli was just a force on the inside. And, and so at that point, there's not much you can do. I, I think uh, the more staggering statistic that I think I, that I saw in the game was that Cincinnati didn't have a turnover until like eight minutes left in the second half. Like they they went almost the entire game without a turnover, and it wasn't like USF was like I mean USF you know tends to get sometimes a little sloppy with the ball as well, but it's not like it was just decimating them by any stretch of the imagination. Like they didn't have like an outrageous amount of turnovers. It's just Cincinnati didn't turn over the ball, mm-hmm. hit almost every three they were shooting. Um, yeah, forty percent from from three point land and nearly fifty percent from the field. That's just on fire, man. Sometimes it happens. Eighty percent free throws too. Yeah, sometimes it happens. Sometimes you, sometimes you play a, a hot team that was just playing at the right time. And I, I, I don't think USF is going to be necessarily discouraged by this. And I, I think Brian Gregory kind of alluded to it a little bit in his post game. He didn't seem very discouraged by his team's performance defensively. You probably wanted him to, you know. Brian Gregory's teams are usually coached a little bit better defensively. So you would hope that they'd be able to, you know, guard out threes, not let up so many rebounds, et cetera, et cetera. But at, at some point you just got to tip the cap and, and say, Hey, two of their guys scored 42 points and were basically uh, unstoppable uh, at times. So that was the not so good part of um, the basketball tenure uh, this past week. Uh, but we can move very quickly to women's basketball still undefeated in conference play. Still undefeated. Never uh, in carried, doubt. Carried, <laughs> carried handily. Uh, beat Tulane last week, uh, 66 to 53. Um, I, I think we need to start patenting this third quarter situation and what ends up happening there. Uh, for, for anyone who looks at the box scores for the conference game so far, typically what happens is USF will be up by uh, a, a normal amount after the first quarter. Things will start slipping in the second and it'll be a tight, you know, halftime score by three, you know, trailing, whatever it is. And then they'll literally just murder in the third quarter and just destroy the other team. They outscored Tulane 37 to 22 in the second half after trailing at halftime. Yeah, whatever Jose does, um, whatever his speech is at the halftime, whatever adjustments he makes or whatever snacks he's given them or, you know, whatever happens at halftime, it's working because it's literally happened every conference game. Um, and I think that's it, it, it also speaks dividends to the uh, the endurance of the the team, the conditioning that they can go out and just figure out what what plagued them and then uh, make it work. A lot of the times it's just a lot better th- three point looks and a lot better three point shooting. Or giving the ball to Dulce or a combination of the both. Because uh, so far, every conference game, they've come out screaming in the third quarter and then they take care of business in the fourth. So in a 66-53 win against Tulane, that's their second. When Tulane came into conference play looking really, really solid and, you know, took a tough game at home. And I think it's it's really nice that they're 16-4, 5-0 after this game in conference play and looking pretty darn good 42% from three um, in the third quarter. You're just gonna, <laughs> you'll win games doing that. It, yeah, it, it's it just... be... And it, it's funny. They'll, they'll literally, it'll, it'll happen within the first two possessions by USF in the second half. 
Sammy Puisis will hit a three, mm-hmm. and then the floodgates open. Mm-hmm. It is it is actually remarkable. I think it has happened every single third quarter. They've hit a three, and then you know next possession, force a turnover, hit another three, or hit, or hit Dulce on the inside, or something like that. Five points swing really quickly, and then Sammy hit another three, and then the team the other team has to call timeout at like the eight minute mark of the third quarter because like you just swung eight points instantly. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it really does come down to, and it, it is not a concern right now. I think USF is by far and away the best team in the conference. Um, so they're not going to have to worry about it now, but there is to a point where they have to figure out what happens in that second quarter that causes this, because it, it's, it's, it's an adjustment thing. That's just not happening for Jose. And, and you, Yeah. Oh no, I was just going to say, and then sometimes, you know, as the, as the conference leader, as everyone, as the number one preseason in the poll, sometimes you have that, that bullseye on your back. Everyone wants to go, well, I want to be the first team to the first unranked team to beat you. So there's a little bit of getting everybody's best shot too. Right. Um, and then on a last night, uh, tip off at eight o'clock, they play Houston. Houston is a quad two team in their net rankings. Uh, so they're a pretty good program, especially at home. Um, USF had to grind this one out, unfortunately. Uh, they did have their patented big third quarter, but uh, man, Houston crawled their way back into this game. And up by nine late, uh, up by as many as 15, I believe. And uh, Houston outscored USF 23 to 12, uh, but they couldn't land. They had a couple different shots at it, that last shot to, loo- uh, to lose 58 56. But man, Houston, their defense is, is, is really tough and they were able to make some really good plays down the stretch. Mm-hmm. No, and, and it, it was a very uncharacteristic clunker by USF. Well, not uncharacteristic. I think every year they have a clunker in conference, um, but they got it out of winning the clunker game, uh, which is pretty good. In years past, they usually would let this game slip. Um, I would consider Houston to probably be the second or third best team uh, in the conference at this point. Uh, I would probably say that they're the second best team when you have to play them at their home stadium, the Frittata Stadium. Mm -hmm. Um, You still have to worry about Tulsa this year. Frittata. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm going to call is the Frittata Center. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Because that's what it looks like to me. I'm dyslexic at times. Um, But I think uh, right now you've already played Tulane twice. Tulane was the team that I had worried about this year for... Mm -hmm. um, for women's basketball. Tulsa looks like they put together a really good team this year. Uh, so those games will probably come down into a, into big moments. So that'll, that'll be something to watch them. Um, they, they do have uh, some big games this weekend. We totally glossed this over um, by the way, for men's basketball, men's basketball does play UCF this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, forgot to mention that part of it. They play at home in Tampa at noon. Boy, that's not a great, um, uh, <laughs> that's not a great uh, you know, time slot window, but it's also not going to be probably a very good game. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, maybe USF could, uh, you know, pull out a uh, victory here, pull out a surprise out of their ass. We'll hey man, what happens after, there. after they played against Houston and Memphis, when they give their all, I think they can do it. But uh, that uh, Tyler Hendricks for UCF looks really, really good. Like NBA yes. good. So yes. they're, they're a really tough squad. USF gets them at home. Let's see if that, that maybe the SoFlo rodeo can come out and uh, be a problem. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, so th- that's the next game for the men. <laughs> and uh, j- just to go off, uh, just my last thought on the the Houston game for um, the women. They shot 0% from three in the fourth quarter while Houston shot 40%. They didn't shoot more th- better than 25% the rest of the game. 
So they were just able to crawl back into this and 21 points off of turnovers to, to USF's 10. They were turning the ball over. Or USF was turning the ball over. Houston was just, again, strangling on defense. And like you said, you were able to, to, to crawl. You, you played probably your worst game in conference play and you were still able, you were able to get the win when normally you could potentially in a tough, in a tough spot. And they've done this in Houston a couple of years ago. Um, right. lose, lose that game. Lose a lose a clunker there, um, but yeah, Dulce back to back double doubles. Uh, she went ten for six or ten points, sixteen rebounds against Tulane. Um, she went twenty two points and seventeen rebounds against uh, Houston. So that was quite a performance out of her. Um, Elena also had a double double, thirteen points, ten rebounds against Houston, uh, and then Sammy Fui says fourteen points. I would like to see a fourth scorer emerge uh, for USF at some point, but. We'll see if that if that happens. I, they don't necessarily need a fourth score, but like a Carla Brita or Emily Hansen or Ariel Wilson, someone someone's got to step up at some point and, and score some major points there in case, God forbid, two of the three aren't as effective on one night and they're shooting cold. So, um, but they don't play again until next Wednesday, I believe. Uh, I think they have an awkward amount of time off, and they also um, play at UCF. Yeah, so they play. Uh, where is that? Oh, they play Sunday. Excuse me. They play Sunday at UCF or against UCF uh, at two o'clock at the at the Foam Dome at the Yingling Center. So a big game coming up for them as well. Uh, UCF is not as potent as they were last year. So thankfully, I don't think we're going to um, have to worry as much. But, you know, they still need that big conference victory and they need to, you know, pull their pants down and, and show it to them. So we'll see what happens uh, this weekend for our basketball or shooty hoops teams. Transitioning to uh, what I would probably consider to be the ugliest start uh, to the year for a USF uh, athletics team. Men's tennis traveled to Boca Raton to uh, take part into a little regional tournament based thing. Usually these tennis tournaments kind of have three, four teams included in it. Um, Just kind of a round robin. Each team plays each other one day of the weekend. Um, So it was USF, Rice, UC Santa Barbara and Florida Atlantic. Um, they lost three sets to four against rice. And for those not aware of how tennis scoring works, uh, there is a doubles point. So your six chosen tennis players pair off into doubles. They play one set and, you know, obviously it's normal scoring, you know, getting to, you know, 40 and then match points and getting the six points total. So they won the doubles point and then lost two of the four single sets. So after your doubles points, you'll play singles. You'll play essentially best of five. So if you win three sets, you win the, you win the match and they'll, they'll kind of finish in a, in a certain order. And, you know, you typically want your best player on court one. So you hear a lot about like, Oh, it's going to come down to like court one, court five, court six, you know, that's just terminology is being used about tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's all happening simultaneously. So sometimes you can be up, like you can get the doubles point. You can have two single, uh, singles, uh, courts go straight sets. So then you can be up three, three, nothing, but then the remainder of the courts can go completely in the opposite way. So it just, it, it, sometimes it's weird that the timing works out and sometimes the drama builds up in that sense, but the longer the games go, the, the, the harder it is to figure out what points they are. Right. 
And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, there wasn't any live stack keeping or any scorekeeping or anything like that. I had to basically just go off of uh, the team's tennis accounts if they sent a representative. Um, so all we really knew was that, uh, you know, USF basically had the doubles point, went up, I think, two, uh, two nothing, and then slowly but surely let Rice back into it. Uh, court one, which is your best tennis player, uh, they lost on a uh, tiebreaker. Uh, extras, basically, they went to extra time for <laughs> the tennis terminology folks um, and lost there. And so kind of a heartbreaker to start the season, but Rice is historically a pretty all right tennis program. And then they got swept by UC Santa Barbara. They lost a doubles point and just couldn't pace anything and couldn't get anything going offensively at all. Um, they and got swept on two courts. Not great. And then uh, just lost on three of the other four. So uh, not a great start there. And then lost 0-4 to, to FAU as well. Again, they were just dominated straight sets on singles. They couldn't get anything going there. They put up a pretty good fight on doubles, but... Ashley Fisher, uh, head coach Ashley Fisher, doesn't seem too terribly worried. Um, he did build this team up. He brought in some transfers, some new guys. Um, tennis is one of those really weird sports where you can kind of really just not pace yourself very well and bring a smaller group, bring different groups, different areas, because you typically have at least like 10 tennis players on a roster at a time. Only six are competing. And so you might throw out different looks every once in a while. Uh, but he didn't seem to be worried. Uh, when it was brought up to his attention that they didn't start off very well. Um, he says this is, a, this is a really talented team that he has, just didn't start the year off very well. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and um, sometimes a lot of this is just conference play, you know, get it kind of figured out by then and then uh, worry about the ITA rankings and worry about um, the conference tournament or the, the tournaments later on at the postseason. So sometimes it's just it's like you're right, finding the footing, finding the right matchups, just kind of getting legs under or, um, you know, trying to figure out what the best team is. So Ashley right. Fisher's always figured it out. I mean, this team is one of the more successful teams on campus, so we're not too worried about it. But, you know, losing to Rice, UC Santa Barbara, FAU, um, Give it up to those programs. So let's uh, let's move on and, and keep going. It's a very long season for tennis. And let me. My dad used to play tennis, and it is very hard to be that good. Like to to watch like really good tennis, it's really impressive. And I always love. I've always wanted to go out to. I never been to a USF tennis match. I've always wanted to go to one just because I, I love watching tennis live when it's good. When it's like a couple, you know, guys like me, it's like oh, that's not fun. That's why we play right. pickleball. <laughs> exactly. Um, but they'll they'll figure it out and and they'll they'll shoot up the ITA rankings. ITA rankings are pretty subjective and they're pretty good at making sure that the good teams are still ranked and everything. Um, so USF a historically good program. You know, if you rattle off you know five wins in your next seven matches, they'll they'll end up ranking them just because they know that the <laughs> that the powerhouse teams are usually pretty good. Um, it's actually one of the more fair ranking systems. But again, once again in conference play, that's where it all matters. Uh, they do have a couple matches this weekend. Uh, they play men's tennis, uh, or they, excuse me, they play at Florida Gulf Coast on Friday. Uh, so that'll be in Fort Myers. They are home, which is a rare occasion for men's tennis. They play doubleheader. They'll play uh, Stets, or excuse me, Georgia State in the morning at 10 a.m. at the USF Tennis Courts. And then they'll be back at it in the afternoon at 2.30 against Stetson. So they've got a, a pretty good uh, weekend to kind of get their footing back under them. Um, that Florida Gulf Coast game is probably going to be pretty tough, but Georgia State, Stetson, both winnable. Um, they'll get on the uh, they'll get on the dub sheet here pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's Stetson as in the hat, and not Stetson as in the Bennett. Yes, <laughs> great clarification. Uh, sure. Um, 
And then uh, just for just for posterity's sake, uh, women's tennis, they also play this weekend. They have their first match. They play at home against Florida. God bless them. <laughs> That's not where you want to start. <laughs> but you know what? Iron sharpens iron. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, so they'll play kind of that in-betweener match. Um, it, I think this is actually kind of funny. Um, so they're, uh, they play at 1.30 p.m. Uh, against Florida. The men's starts against... Stetson at 2.30. So that's an hour difference between playing the doubles points and getting the singles points. Um, if that tells you anything about how the scheduling is thinking that this game is going to go. Um, we'll see how that goes. Um, but they have a pretty tough start to their year just because uh, Florida regionally has pretty good programs and they try to stay in state as long as they can. Um, so we'll see how that goes for them. Um, do you, you want to take softball real quick? Sure. Softball, uh, they had their AC... Uh, their their coaches poll. So UC, uh, USF was picked third behind Wichita State and UCF. Uh, UCF was uh, went to a super regional last year, so they they were picked first. Wichita State second. Uh, USF was the only other program receiving a first place vote. Sorry, completely scrapped that. I'm thinking about something completely different. Uh, but uh, uh, <laughs> Coach Ken needs to. Rob knows about. Uh, Coach Ken needs to replace the uh, most decorated and most successful softball pitcher, not only in USF history, but one of the better ones in um, the the country. So that's going to be where it begins and starts, uh, begins and ends, trying to figure out who is your starting pitcher, trying to figure out who that second pitcher is and to replace a lot of offense. So I think, I, I think third is a very, a very, very good mark considering how much they've lost. And we're going to see what uh, coach Ken uh, has done to replace uh, some of these lost pieces. Right. And uh, yeah, so they had to replace not only Georgina Korik, but they also had to place, replace uh, Alexis Johns, who was just a bag stealing machine last year, mm-hmm. uh, lightning quick. So uh, two very important players that set many of records last year for USF. They had to replace them. Um, they did bring in a very interesting pitching um, pros- not prospect transfer. Uh, Gabriella Nori, she was uh, the pitcher at Lehigh last year. And the reason I bring this up is because she is probably going to end up being USF's ace going into this year. Um, so you're probably going to hear her name a lot. Ironically, uh, her and Corrick duked it out last year uh, in a pitcher's duel uh, when Lehigh obviously took on USF. Um, USF came out on top. Uh, she had a pretty good season. She was Lehigh's ace as well. Uh, Coach Ken Erickson obviously sees something very uh, highly touted with her and you know thinks that there's a lot of potential there. Her record wasn't that great, but she also didn't have as much help at Lehigh that she may have at USF. Um, she had a 3.27 ERA. She had a 12-12 and 12 overall win-loss record, uh, but she held opposing hitters to a um, 260 average. So she really did a good job of limiting the amount of hits. You know, occasionally gave up a dinger or two and, and you know, softball, and that'll happen. So uh, she's a prospect that I think uh, USF fans are going to get very much used to to kind of be the new Coric. No one's going to replace Coric on the stat sheet, but this is going to be your probably your new ace going forward. Um, but for Ken Erickson, it's about figuring out that offense. Um, you know, you had one of the best pitchers in college softball last year, but man, you were grinding out a lot of two nothing, three nothing wins, and it didn't feel great. Even mm-hmm. though Coric was throwing a complete game um, 
perfect game, no hitter, whatever it was on the other side. And so. sometimes, and sometimes hitting dingers. Uh, so I actually just pulled up the box score for that game against Lehigh. And uh, yeah, Cork, uh, it was a scoreless game into the sixth. Then Cork blasted a home run in the sixth inning to start the scoring. And uh, they ended up winning the game two nothing. So that's pretty phenomenal. Good catch. Right. I, I have a really good memory when it comes to the, some of these games. But yeah, so, I mean, Erickson, who coaches Team USA as well, I mean, he knows talent. Um, there's no there's no worry about that. It, it's, it's you know, the, the offense is probably the thing that needs the most help right now. So we'll see what USF is able to put together. Uh, they put it together a pretty good signing class this year as well. Getting picked third, knowing that you have to replace some of your best players in program history, I think is a pretty good testament to the state of the program. Um, but now it's about the results. Um, thank God we're not Memphis, who got picked can like uh, unanimously last in both baseball and softball um, in their respective coaches' polls. That's a slap in the face to those programs. And I think we can speed around our last uh, sport of the evening before we get to our uh, Bellas and Fellas segment here. Track and field is officially back. So they we have are. some some notable finishes. Uh, your boy Kobe Kobe Basson, men's pole vault, got first, five point two meters. He's the it. one with the great with the great mustache. I can actually pull that picture up too, if you would like. Yes, please do. Please have Kobe Babin up while we're uh, discussing men's track and field at all particular Kobe times. Babin, Thank you very much. Um, the uh, I, I was reading off of the the, the sheet and it, it was spelled incorrectly. I'm not going to blame. Oh, that's because. Damn autocorrect. <laughs> yep. So I, uh, Kobe, Kobe Babin, I apologize. I knew your name too. I just said the complete wrong thing. No, that's my fault. I should have, I should have spelled check before this. So, uh, track and field competed at the, uh, Jimmy Carnes invitational located in Gainesville slash Alexua, Florida. Um, contrary to what I said last week, uh, university of Florida was not there. I thought I saw them on the sheet, but I misread it. It was just basically a whole bunch of other, um, intercollegiate track programs from around the, around the Southeast. Um, some notable ones. So USF and UCF were competing some other not so notable ones, Southeastern and UNF and, um, some individual athletes were competing as well. So you kind of had a full gambit of competition there, but USF did pretty good in a few different events. Uh, so Vito, how do we want to attack this one? Because there's like I think 15, 15 sports here or fifteen uh, events. I think we just we just speed discuss since we're uh, getting at the end here. Uh, women's high jump, Anaya Ashley and Naya Robinson got second and third, uh, respectively. As you said, uh, Kobe Babin men's pole vault he got first. Women's weight throw, Laya Booth got third. Women's long jump, Kendall McDaniel third. Men's long jump, David Ajama got first, and Victor Steiner third. It's a lot of first, a lot of um, medal finishes here. Uh, women's pole vault, Riley Hunt uh, got third. Men's shot put, Johan Jeremiah got second. I probably should have looked at these names before I just started saying them. <laughs> um, I hope I'm doing okay. Um, women's triple jump, Naya Robinson got second. Men's triple jump, David Ajama first. Men's high jump, our buddy Ro- Romaine Beckford got first. Again, he's got not only the school record with 2.21 meters, but American Track Athlete of the Week as well. Uh, that's AAC Track of the Week. Uh, so Romaine Beckford continues to have a very well-decorated um, career here at USF. Uh, Kendall Mosley also got second, so they're just dominating the high jump right now. They can jump very high. It's great. Uh, I'll let you take the rest since now, now we start getting to the running sports, and that's more yep. on your end. 
Running sports, not great. Uh, so the men's and women's one mile, uh, no finishers in the top 10. Uh, I think men's had like no finishers in the top 20. Um, men's and women's 400 meter, no finishers in the top 10. And keep in mind, like I said before, this wasn't a star-studded uh, you know, group of, of collegiate universities. These, it was like UCF, UNF, where, and USF are the big three. Then you had Southeastern, you had Florida Southern. Um, you had individual athletes that were competing without an attachment. So not great there. Um, but we did get a couple of good finishes. Uh, men's 60 meter hurdles. Michael Bourne got uh, first at men's 60 meter hurdles. Women's 800 meters. Arden LaRose got third. Um, men's women's 200 meters. Nada. Uh, women's 1600 meter relay. Uh, USF took second and third. So they had two uh, squads competing, the A squad and the B squad. Um, but uh, clunker, they lost by like eight seconds to UCF. Uh, like basically saying UCF just tore away the competition. And I think we finished barely ahead of Florida Southern uh, to get second and third. And the men's 1600 meter relay, USF took second and third. And they only lost by half a second to Southeastern U. So not great uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but medal finishes nonetheless, uh, podium finishes, I should say. So overall, uh, a pretty good uh, week for track or excuse me, for field uh, events. Track uh, still needs some work there, but you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll figure it out. Um, it didn't Run, seem this was obviously hard. the yeah, running is hard. It's, this was it. the first event of the year. So I'd imagine as the year goes on, as more um, you know competitors get into shape, they'll see more and more progress as the years goes on. That's kind of what happened to the men's track program or track team last year. They struggled for the beginning part of the year. And then all of a sudden at the American athletic conference championships, um, they torched Houston, which was just the biggest upset I had ever seen. That was very impressive and very emotional too. All right. So let's move on to the final segment before we get out of here. So fellows and bells of the week. So Stieg, I, I'm going to keep it simple here. I, I'm going to say it's the, the 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 cheerleading cheer program as a whole. I mean, specifically Heath and Kelly. How about that for for yes. giving us some really great insight? The first part of this pro, uh, program, um, I, I I had no I, I had no idea. Uh, not had not a lot of knowledge on the type of work and how much effort gets put into these routines. And I was very very happy that he was able to come on and talk about that. So. That is my fella and Bella. And I mean, Kelly being on the uh, in the comment section, uh, giving us some extra information. We're going to be glad to talk to them uh, real real soon here on the stream. Oh yeah, and and Kelly's level of excitement. I'd seen it all week on for her on Twitter. I mean, there, there's there's a sense of there's like a proud parent, and then there's like a proud parent of like twenty plus kids. And that, I mean, I could just feel Kelly's energy pretty much the entire week on Twitter uh, after they won. I want to, um, I read this comment. I was like, I want to run through a wall. Let's go. Yeah, I love it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's clear that I know, you know, historically and, and in the future, we'll make sure it's highlighted on, you know, specific uh, student athletes. But it, it is the shout out of the week. It is the shout out of the semester, probably of the athletic calendar as well, frankly. Um, back to back to back national champion. Uh, and then a first-time national champion as well. So two national championship programs for cheerleading. That's a big deal. We will always celebrate our victorious programs um, throughout the year as we go on. March Victorious gets played loud and proud here for our cheerleading program. We love it. Um, I think that's it. 
That's all I got, Steve. There's nothing else happening in the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's it's a relatively uh, quiet weekend for most of our clubs and programs. Um, yeah, fun stuff. Great show. We did it again. Yeah, I can't believe we went through two full episodes. This is incredible. And people are still here listening to us babble on. So uh, we'll let you know when the next one's going to come around. And hey, for, for Anthony Vito, Stieg, go Bulls. Go Bulls. See ya. <laughs>